In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. To those who are in the arena, we We salute salute you. you. We honor you guys for getting it done in the stress bubble of life we are in this together men males retreat into the anonymous crowd but you've jumped out of the bleachers and into the game and you've jumped into manhood so thank you and thank you for listening to this episode of the man card podcast we are pumped and excited to call you in to call you out and to call you up to higher levels of manhood help you to become the best version of the man you've been created to be i'm jim ramos i'm here with the mix master the phd (laughs) of sound Dr. Pat George, how you doing, man? Morning, man. I'm good. Yeah, I'm excited for today. Are you? Yeah, I'm pumped. I like. I'm, I'm excited to hear it from Jeff today. I think it's gonna be awesome. So, and I'm here with my cruise ready, Dale Culver. How you get? You getting ready for that cruise of the family, bro? I am. Yeah, I'm excited. Heather and I get the four year old in our room. Yeah. I don't know, dude. If I, if my kids and I, if we took our kids on a cruise, we would have had a couple overboard, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I bet I can dive better than you off this ship. I bet I can do it. Be, yeah, yeah, they would, wouldn't so, they? Off oh, the man. trampoline, off the ship. Oh man, <laughs> I'm not a big cruise fan. I, I just don't. I've like, never done it, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. A, I'd rather be out no, no. scuba diving or out somewhere and doing something. I'm thinking, out don't hunting or, or doing something like that. I'm some worried big about adventure. that because I'm that way too. I, I would rather maybe Belize on the. Get a place for all of us, yeah. And you go out and snorkel and whatever, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's good That'd stuff. Hey, good. so throw a man. I got a problem with my nose. Stop today. scratching your nose, talking your microphone. Thank you. Throw me a man word before I throw <laughs> you down and, and do some damage to your face. Oh, bold. Bold is your word is bold. Uh, you thought I was to say bald, but I did. So listen, I said bold. knowing our guest today, if uh-huh. I had to guess, I would have guessed the word walls. However, oh. you did not read his book. I didn't. So I was stumped there. I didn't know what to do. So you went with bold. Bold. Give me why is that your man word today? Well, boldly doing things as a man. So not second guessing. You just go forth. Um, 
I don't want to get all churchy and stuff, but uh, when you're going, but you're going to. I'm not. I'm not. But uh, whenever somebody says, "Have you noticed that?" I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't say that. You just say you're ugly. So thank you for that. Well, because I just know you don't have feelings. (laughs) (laughs) So I think there's things in life that we just need to be bold about. I I guess as a man, you should do everything with boldness. I agree. So not not hedging ever. Well, I think there are seasons. I think there are seasons, and I think there are certain people you got to be careful with. You know, I don't want to come up to my wife and and be bold. I want to be tender and I want to be nurturing. I want to be careful with my boldness, right? right? And I don't want to offend. However, you're still standing that ground. Part of being a man is bringing the heat. Part of being a man is bringing your best version. What did uh, Eldridge tell us? That let the world feel the weight of who you are let and let them deal, deal with, with it. it. Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you what. You can uh, do things boldly in love. Hmm. Boldly, oh, that's good right there. Boldly in love. So, that? hey, man, I'm excited about our interaction on our Facebook page, The Men in the Arena. You've already had to pull down one conversation because the guys get a little, <laughs> got a little heated. <laughs> but we noticed they're back on the next post. So uh, super excited. Guys, if you're not uh, involved in that, go to the fa- our Facebook page, The Men in the Arena. Uh, it is a closed group. is for men only, so males need not to subscribe. And we're excited to have about 30,000 guys in there in the next couple of years. So uh, get involved there. And talking about bold, uh, the guy we have on today, I would say this would be a word I would use to describe him. I've only had a couple interactions, but this guy is boldly doing some awesome things. Now, Jeff, I, I want to say Voth, but it's, is it Voth or Voth? Yeah, don't say Voth. It's both. Voth. Oh gosh, yeah. I I knew it's I was. Yeah, I had a fifty-fifty chance there. So Jeff Voth. <laughs> uh, Jeff is fifty-five. He is the founder of an organization called Cave Time. He earned his doctorate in areas of leadership and spiritual formation. Holds master's degrees in apologetics and divinity. He's a professor, pastor, author, speaker. He's married to Lori thirty-three years. Has four grown children, ages thirty down to twenty-one. And uh, he is here to bring it. He's also, he's authored uh, a book called Cave Time, The Sling, and his latest book, which I just read, finished about two weeks ago, called Defending the Feminine Heart. He lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he just got done with the weight room, and he's got his pump on. So I want to bring on to our show and welcome Jeff Voth. How you doing, my man? Man, it is great to be here. Just the intro has me ready to jump headlong through a wall, <laughs> kick something, shoot something. Uh, Why do you got to be violent? Do, dude, let's do this thing. Dude, hey, we're pacifists here, so be careful yeah. with how you, you know. We, we don't like guns. We're pacifists. We don't like guns. And so speaking of guns, okay, Jeff. Okay, well, goodbye. I'm gone. See ya. <laughs> Classic. Hey. Nice knowing you, gentlemen. <laughs> speaking of guns, you're not going to hear this, but when you listen to the podcast, you'll hear this. We're going to throw you into the fray, bro. I know you're ready. We call it our rapid fire round. Bring it. All right, here we go. What I'm going to do, Jeff, is I've picked – uh, I've got several rounds I do with the guys, but with you, I'm going to ask, would you rather questions? All right. So here we go. Here we go. Number There's five of them. Number one, would you rather talk your way out of a situation or fight your way out? Both. <laughs> Explain. Talk and fight at the same time. Sometimes you have to do it, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> what? Do you, you're a pastor, so what do you think about fighting as a Christian guy? Man, uh, we're we are put on this planet to bring uh, warfare to the forces of darkness, and uh, I believe with all of my heart that means to make peace. Sometimes we have to, uh, you know, get down and dirty. I love it. I love it. Here's one for you. Now, you you produced a movie, and I can't remember the name of it. It's called the 
the what was it called? The trip, mountains and manhood. We are currently in uh, the last uh, the last negotiations with the Outdoor Channel. It will be on the Outdoor Channel in 2018. Oh man, I'm excited about that. So here's my question for you: Would you rather climb Mount Everest or skydive out of a plane at 30,000 feet? Skydive. Really? That's yeah. surprising. Talk to me. I tell you what, because there is absolutely no way I backpack, and I know what it feels like at fourteen thousand feet. I don't. I don't think I could breathe at base camp on Everest. Oh, that's good. You know what? Um, I climbed Mount Whitney in a day several years ago. So it was a what was it, eleven <laughs> a six thousand feet of gain, eleven miles up, eleven miles back. And when I got to thirteen thousand feet. I got yeah. super emotional. I remember I called my wife from the top crying, and there was something weird <laughs> with the elevation. There it is. <laughs> hey, let me let me tell you. And the older you get, this the more you cry. <laughs> oh, you know that is a hey, that is a true story. That is a true story. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I maybe I need some testosterone pills or something. <laughs> my wife says no. Don't ever do. Uh, no, you don't. No, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, man. I kind of. This is kind of a play on uh, words with the book you wrote, but would you rather build a wall around your wife or build a castle? Oh, a castle, man, a castle because a castle has walls. I got to go and we did some cave time stuff in Ireland this last summer and I've seen castles, man, and they are awesome. They are magnificent and strong, but beautiful. I'm going castle any day. Yeah. Cause then you've got a wall, a castle and a moat to protect your wife. That's it, brother. That's awesome. Hey, if you oh, if you had to live your life again, would you rather live in the past or live in the future? Past. Past. Talk yeah. to me. I don't want to be a cowboy, John Wayne. I'd <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> live in Dodge City. Me, Wyatt, Doc, and the boys. Man, we would take care of bad guys. <laughs> That's what was that quote from our interview with Peter Mosby that John Wayne. Uh, <laughs> Something about stupid. Remember that? You can't fix stupid. You can't, I can't remember. But we had a guy who was throwing out John Wayne quotes like candy on our podcast. So last one, man. Would you rather continue with your life or start it all over? I'll continue. I'm living the dream. I love my life. It's not exactly how I thought it would be, but I love my life. I uh, am totally content with being me uh, and uh, absolutely feel I'm living the dream. Yeah, man. I, I love what you're doing. It's it's a. Uh, you know, between cave time and between the running the church and between your book writing and the movie stuff, you have a full schedule and uh, it's uh, and it's envious to me that you're doing it with your family. And I just applaud you for that. So thank you. Thank you. So, All hey, the praise go to Jesus. Hey, I love man, it. I love it. Love it. Hey, I've got, so here we go. Hey, our men in the arena are really pumped to have you on Jeff. And uh, I, I know you're going to bring it today and we're excited. But before we jump into the questions, I want you just to tell a little bit about yourself, your personal life, things you enjoy, hobbies, Anything you would think our men in the arena from all around the country want to want to know? Yeah, I uh, I think I'm put on this planet to be a kindler of fire, and I just happen to get to wear you know three different hats. I wear the pastor hat, I wear the university professor hat, I wear the cave time guy hat. But I'm on this planet to kindle fire in as many hearts and as many places through as many vehicles. And so, you know, what I love doing is whatever it takes to kindle fire, whether that be uh, here in my own home. Uh, I get to uh, kindle fire uh, for our Lord here as a, a husband and a dad and a grandpa. I get to step in front of hundreds of students and lecture at Christian Worldview or the works of C.S. Lewis or 
what it means to disciple. And then I get to, you know, make a movie about what it is to be a man, you know, in the mountains of Colorado. And so I love, I love doing all of that. <clears throat> I love, I love uh, kindling fire this next year. I think I'm going to get to go and spend some time and, and a uh, couple of weeks off of the campus of Oxford and ha- hang out in St. Louis's old house uh, and write, write my next book. Uh, why not? You know, why shouldn't guys like you and me be at Oxford? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? Why not us? Why not now? I, and I, that's what I try to teach my sons and the people I work with, you know, act like you're supposed to be there because you are. Oh, that's good. Uh, so I, I could go on and on about that, but I love my life. I love what I'm doing. I love who I'm doing it with and can't wait to, you know, get up tomorrow and start another day. So I have a question for you. We had a guy on our podcast last week named Jeff Gordon. He's written 17 books in 10 years. And he talks in his book about his life word and his one word for the year. So what's your life word? Would you say it's Kindle, fire? Is it something different? Fire. Fire. I like it. I like it. What did I say? I didn't say John. I said Jeff Gordon. No, I did not. My apologies to John Gordon for calling him Jeff Gordon. We had John Gordon, not Jeff Gordon. So my bad. I was thinking Jeff both. I got confused there a little bit. So, So you said you're writing another book. What's the next book? I actually have one in the can. It's a work of fiction that I'm working with my buddy Cliff Graham, Lion of War guy. We're uh, coming out with a, it's a, a piece of fiction. A guy goes backpacking and his GPS system goes crazy and he ends up in the cave with David. That's going to come out. Uh, so that's kind of in the can. We're, we're polishing that. But uh, the, next, the next book will be an apologetic work that is kind of like a Tim Keller reason for God. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, that uh-huh. genre that you can get in a guy's hands. He can read it, have a good defense for his faith, and go out and match wits with uh, you know anyone and everyone on behalf of Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. I pre- that's really cool. I appreciate that. So yeah, act, you like, act like you're supposed to be there because you are. Where did that yeah. come from in you your know life? What? It, uh, I think I had an amazing father. You know, I was a little kid, scrawny kid. I was anemic. I, you know, I looked like, you know, I was, uh, (laughs) I've just always been, you know, I was tiny. But my dad made me think I could take anybody. And, And he just really did. He built me up as a person. He built me up, you know, as a young man. And so I just always felt like I was supposed to be there, regardless of what size I was, regardless of, you know, my ACT score. I just always felt like I was supposed to be there. And, uh, you know, when Jesus comes into your life and redeems you and all things become new, you are. Yeah. You're supposed to be where he tells you you're supposed to be. And when you're there, man, giddy up, explode, and bring hope, light, and life. I love it. Well, when we first saw your picture, when we were looking at your stuff today before you came on, uh, Pat said, well, that guy's pretty big. So you don't look little anymore How, unless you're five foot three. What no. are you, 5'10", 5'11"? I'm about I'm – about, uh, almost five ten, five nine and a half, okay. and uh, you know two two ten, two fifteen. Yeah. Oh baby, that's 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 WWE style right there, man. Hey, so God you, you had a great father. How important do you think are fathers? What's oh, your man? You know, in the in the in the family system, fathers are where it all man. It that is where it's at. Fathers, that's where it starts. God God made Adam first. Not because he was best or smartest. We certainly know that, right? Yeah. But but men are supposed to stand first. That's what we do. 
And uh, as we are fathers and as we stand on behalf of our people, as we make them safe, they can flourish. Uh, and so it's imperative. Fathers are imperative. You and I both know that. We travel the country, get it, and it's the same over the ocean. Yeah. Man, there's a lack of fathering. And I've had 40, 50, 60-year-old men that I've put my hands on their shoulders. I've looked at them eyeball to eyeball and told them, look, you have what it takes. God made you. He put you on this planet for such a time as this. Welcome to the tribe of godly masculinity. And they start to weep and bawl because a man never did that. They were never fathered. And so a father is imperative. Man, that's, you know, and so you're a pastor. And what we have found in my in 30 years of ministry as well, that the churches in their budgets, in their methodologies, they neglect the men. Do you think yeah. that's true? And obviously you don't because you've got it running through your church. But what's the deal with that? Why do you think the church today has neglected the men and they've painted a picture? You In your book, Defending the Feminine Heart, you called Jesus the ultimate alpha male, he yeah. even said he's the alpha and the omega. I think that's a direct quote, pretty close. Absolutely. So we have an alpha male as our savior who named his three buddies the Rock and the Sons of Thunder, but we have <laughs> pansified him. We've kind of wussified him. What's yeah. why why have pastors or why sh, why has the local church moved away from men? What's going on there in your opinion, Jeff? And I know your life is you're trying to fight this battle. What's going on? Yeah, our culture has uh they defined a word that didn't exist when you and I were in high school, the, the metrosexual, that, that word <laughs> hasn't existed that long. Yeah. And, it, and it's, they had to make it up because culture has softened what it is to be a man. Now, it doesn't mean that I can't be soft. My grandbabies are at the house today. I will kiss them. I will hug on them. I will love on them. I will be soft. But it doesn't mean I'm being feminine. Ooh. It means I'm, I'm being a male who can be soft. And so what we've done culturally is we've softened men where they're confused. They don't know what it is to be a man. We're even endeavoring to redefine. And we've got confused men. We've got men who have been told lies about their masculinity. Uh, and they don't know what to do, Jim. They don't yeah. know what to do. And so we have to help them. Jesus comes in and brings us alive, and we can be fully manly. You know, it's interesting. You said they don't know what it means to be a man. Now, one of the, the first thing we did with our organization was we defined manhood. Uh, we tried to look at cross demographics, cross geographics. We tried to look across race, even religion, and say, hey, if, if we're going to define manhood, we need to define it for every man who's ever lived. And so we define it as five things, protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately as the summit of manhood, leading courageously and finishing strong. So that's our de working definition of manhood. Everything we've written has gone along that definition. In your opinion, from your experience, how would you define a man? Because you said they don't know what it means to be a man. What are you telling men they need to do to be a man? Yeah, uh, a man protects and provides. I protect and I provide for. Uh, and by definition, I am one who has the X and Y chromosomes. So if you have the X and Y chromosomes, welcome. You're in. Yeah. You are in. You're su you're supposed to protect and provide, and then I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help parse that out for you. But I I think the simpler the better. You're <laughs> you're here yeah. as a man. X and Y chromosomes, welcome. You're part of the tribe, and I'm gonna teach you how to protect and provide. That's interesting. We had Ryan Mickler on our podcast on December 14th. His episode was was it number 102 or 103, Dale? One. 
102, I think. Anyway, his organization, he called he his organization is not a spiritual organization outwardly, and he says a man protects and provides and presides. Uh-huh. So he added a leadership component, but almost verbatim of what you're just saying. And I just love that man. So, so here's my right. question. I'm going to ask you a real simple question here. Uh, as a as a professor, as a pastor, as an organizational leader, why men, and why did you choose to write a book called "Defending the Feminine Heart"? Yeah, uh, because men, uh, to my definition, they protect and provide women now. Women have been objectified since the garden, right? I mean, I make yeah. that case in the book. Yeah. But right now, at least in my life, and I think in your life, we haven't seen the objectification of women like this because of globalization, because of the Internet. Uh, it's it's so much easier. We have got to stop this. And it all starts with lust. We objectify them because we lust. And so we've got to stop the lust problem. Uh, then we can technically walk them through and let them know, okay, once, once we've got a handle on this lust, then we can tell you and give you strategies. Men are strategic. Yes. Right? We can give them strategies and tell you, okay, once, once you get delivered from this lust thing, which you will, you'll fight that your entire, you know, the entire time you walk on this planet, you're going to fight that, but you can be victorious. You don't have to give into it. You know, this whole boys will be boys thing. I hate that. Yeah, totally. I can I can have fun and be be be, a, you know, childlike and whimsical or what have you. But I need to be a man. And that means protecting, providing. And then that means not objectifying women. And so that's why I wrote that book. I wrote that book because we have got to do something about this and stop objectifying women. We work. We've locked shields with several organizations. One, my favorite is called the Pure Hope Foundation. And they fight the objectification of women by rescuing young girls off of the streets of our country. Uh, and it's, it, is, it is an epidemic, and it starts at the lust level. We've got to fight lust. So that's why I thought, you know what? We've got to write this book and tell guys how to do this. Uh, and it's, uh, we've really, it's been initially out of the gates really successful. Guys' lives are being touched, and I'm excited to get in that fight. Yeah, you know, you you had several great points in the book. I think one of the things you quoted a statistic that it was 70 or 80% of women rescued from sex trafficking go back into it. Yeah. And 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 that was troubling to me, but we had a guy on here, Wes Stafford, who was the president of uh Compassion International for 20 years. He has a huge heart for children, yet on his podcast he said, "If you fix the men, you fix 80% of the world's problems." And I yeah. think you're hitting the nail on the head, man. I had a guy come up to me, a young man, a 20-year-old man, yesterday in church and said, hey, can you pray for me? I'm addicted to pornography. And yeah. so what I did is we are, a, we are a Covenant Eyes affiliate, so I pointed him to our, our free app and said, hey, get this app on your phone. Let your mom and your dad see your sites. Trust me, you'll be healed. Absolutely. <laughs> but you, in your, in your, well, in your, you know, and I would say your book, your book, Jeff, I would not say, the book is about lust, although it's a huge part of your book. And I want right. to go to chapter 11 because chapter 11 is called Electronic Walls. Yes, sir. And you talk in your book about men building walls uh, to protect those they love. We would call those guardrails. Yeah. What are So So electronic walls, you're, so what you're saying with that is a guy needs to 
deal with this technology? We're in a day and age where we've never had to deal with this before. What are some things that you recommend to that guys do in dealing with technology and building these electronic walls? Yeah, got to have accountability. So your wife, uh, people in your lives need to be able to, at any time, pick up your phone, look at the cookies, know exactly what's going on. You have to have transparency. That's that's huge. Secondly, you have to have some type of electronic, whether it's Covenant Eyes or Triple X Church or something that holds you accountable, that tells people, you know, where you've been with your phone. Uh, where you've been with your computer, where you've been with your iPad. That is imperative. And then what we mean with electronic walls, you have got you have got to be cognizant as the man of your house what's coming into your house. Oh, that's good. And, and and so I'm I'm telling you, I I you know, I made that point. This is my house. And so I know my my children have had space, but this is my house. And so at any given time, I could know what's in your room. I get to know what's in the electronic devices that's in my house. Uh, and we've got to take authority there. And we've got because we care. Yeah. And this is just another way I make the point in the book that the enemy slithers in and gets into your life. And how about all of those statistics? And I only it was just a small portion of the statistics that I could have put in the book. Yeah. About about, uh, uh, you know, how predators access our kids, uh, and it's, it's just, it is horrendous. It's nauseating. You know, it's insane that we have good men that sit and let that, let that slither into their homes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, what we're finding is that the men aren't necessarily addicted to this stuff, but they dabble in it because they can get away with it. And if you take that away, I think these guys, you know, there's a lot of temptation there. When we were growing up, it was our friend's stash of mags in the garage. Now it's yeah. your the phone. Right. It's your iPad. It's your computer. It's all of these things. And I'm I'm trying to find your statistics in the book, and I just can't pull it up right now. But the statistics are extremely alarming. And so yeah, very much, man. So uh, you call you call these guys in your book over and over again. And actually, you called yourself on page six, uh, knucklehead. Yeah, and you call these guys knuckleheads, and so how would you define a knucklehead? It's probably the nicest term I could use. Well, uh, I know <laughs> that 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 you know would make it by the editors. Yeah, um, uh, just uh, you know, a knucklehead is a guy that is just clueless about the things that he's doing. Uh, because I, you know, it wasn't that I wanted to go out and objectify my wife or my mother or my sister. Uh, but I, or other women, the ones that I dated, uh, but I just was clueless, you know, about the effect that my actions had on them or my inactions had on them. And so, uh, I, you know, I was, uh, I was a knucklehead. Now you, in your book, Jeff, you, you, you'd been married to Lori, obviously yes. you've been married 33 years. And in your book, you talk about the birth of your only daughter, Hannah Jean, and yes. how that holding her destroyed your life in a good way like wrecked you and it wasn't the marriage but it was the holding this baby girl in your hand that you had kind of an epiphany can you share that with us absolutely you know i i was i told the lord i i didn't know what you did with a daughter so you know i went ahead and named it and claimed it and said all the scriptures you're supposed to do to have you know just the hocus the, ho- the christian hocus pocus that throw three scriptures is supposed to happen so i did all that and you know was waiting for my uh my son hank <laughs> right, that's the name that I had chosen, and you know, the, 
the doctor and I are waiting for Hank and out pops, you know, not Hank, but so we had, we didn't, we didn't have a girl name. And so out pops, you know, a girl, the doctor looks at me and he says, Oh, you know, Jeff, congratulations. Here's your little girl. And I, I, I really was, uh, you know, stupefied. I was like, what, what do you do with one of those things? I don't, you know, I don't know. And then, <laughs> and then I start, I started to cry. And I'm a crier now, but then, uh, you know, I didn't cry. Yeah. Once yeah. cried, you know, yeah. and, and I started to cry and God did something to my heart. I mean, immediately in the birthing room, I wanted to protect her. Uh, and so something came alive in me that it's really actually pretty sad. It had to, that it had to, you know, that I hadn't had that protective, you know, uh, sense for my wife or, you know, so that's, that's, a, that's another chapter, yeah. but, uh, it, it came alive in me and I realized that I had had this daughter and ultimately, you know, my wife was somebody's daughter. Every woman I'd ever dated was somebody's daughter. Uh, and ultimately they were his daughters, capital eight. Wow. I love that. Well, you know, Lori, she partnered with you in this book and right. I really enjoyed her sections on walls. Because yeah. a man can write all he wants and he can say all this stuff, but when the wife comes in the program, she kind of humanizes the man a little bit. So everything <laughs> you wrote, she either confirmed or or kind of clarified, and she she actually wrote a lot about your changes. And so, yeah. how did your birth? How did the birth of Hannah change your relationship with Lori? All right, now we're gonna take a short break and hear a little bit from our sponsor of today's episode of the Man Card Podcast. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We aren't in this to make money, guys, but we are passionate about making a difference. The war is epic. Every battle matters, and every man in the arena matters. Join our fight to change the world with every man who gets in the arena, picks up his sword, and starts to fight. Do this by joining our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum with men from literally around the world. If this podcast has helped you get out of the bleachers and into the arena, then go to our website under gear. Pick up the field guide, my bathroom book for men with 365 daily readings about what a man is and does using famous quotes and epic stories. Guys, you're going to love this book. Pick it up today. This year will be our first ever man card men's weekend with the men in the arena. If you're interested in hosting a man card weekend in your city, contact us for available dates. Also, guys... Thank you again for jumping into the arena and championing the greatest battle of our time, the fight to change your world one man at a time. All right, Jeff, so you've held Hannah, uh, who you thought would be Hank, uh, in your arms. You're crying. You've had this moment. So here's the question for you, man. How did this event with Hannah's birth affect how you treated and dealt with your wife, Lori, was that was that the point of change for you with between you and Lori or was what happened in your treatment of her from that? Man, I wish I could say it was that quick. <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm sure Lori I'm sure Lori wishes that as well. Uh, and it you know, Jim, it really is interesting. It it brought out some things writing this book. She got mad at me all over again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like why did why did this take so long, you knucklehead? Uh, it did. It kind of brought some of that up because it took a little while. You know, it took her and it was it was gradual. Things like that are organic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had an epiphany and then ultimately, you know, after several years of having a little daughter. And then I think I'm sad to say it took probably until she became, you know, 
I started becoming a woman herself. Uh huh. And then me realizing, oh my gosh, you know, this is this is a a woman that men are now looking at, you know, and objectifying. I could tell as they were looking because I've done that. And oh my god, you know, this epiphany happens in me. And it so it, it took a while, man. It took until she, you know, I, I would say full circle by the time she, you know, middle school, late middle school. So 13 years, 12 years, it was, it was a while. And I, I, it's embarrassing to say that it took that long. Do you think, I mean, looking at your resume, man, it's clearly very impressive. Were you just immersed in work? Did, did work hinder that for you or what was the hindrance for you to get it sooner? I've always been a goal oriented guy. I think I'm a performance junkie. And so I had to get delivered about that. I talk about that in cave time and I really had a kind of a breakdown. I went through a dark, a dark time and panic and anxiety and, and really got delivered from, from having to perform to feel good about myself. Now, you know, I just, I think I have, yeah, I feel like I have enough energy for two or three guys and I just love living for Jesus and I'm not trying to prove myself. Uh, so it, it, yes, I was probably in the middle of, you know, a couple of master's degrees and a doctorate and, uh, you know, no excuses, but that's probably, you know, what happened. Wow. So, so you have this experience, obviously it's a process. How did Lori, and then, and then a bigger question, how can women, cause we actually have a lot of women listening to this podcast. How can women help their men in becoming the best version? Yeah. And I'm not saying this it in, cheap, in a cheap way to get them to buy my book, man, get, <laughs> get a copy of this book. Serious. Cause I will, I can hit those guys in the teeth. Like if, if you as a woman try to do that, they're going to say you're nagging. You're going to get into the same old dance and he's going to get mad at you. Why? Because you're calling him out probably on something he needs to be called out on, yeah. but it's better if Jim or I do that. And so that's, that's why I wrote the book. And so I would tell you ladies, do, do get, get him that, get, get him a book. You know, Eldridge has done some great stuff, you know, uh, wild at heart. And, and, you know, awaken in him that you are his Eve. You are the beauty that he's to take care of, you know, in that context, instead of coming across as someone who's nagging him. You know what I have found as I, as I watch mature seasoned women who've been married to a man for years and years and years is they become, and, and I'll tell you, this is tough for a woman, I think, but they become the master of asking the right question. When my wife asks me a question, I will bounce when she tells me what to do, I kind of dig my feet in a little bit. Oh, man. Yeah. Join the crowd, right? I'm, sure. oh, God. I'm like, I'm, like I, have, uh, I've shot myself in the foot, in the head so many times. Yeah, she is great. She's very Socratic. You know, hey, what do you think about, do you think it would be best if we did this or this? And I'm like, oh, because I'm the expert, right? And she just teed it up, lobbed it over the plate, and was masterful in that. So that is a that is a really astute observation. Yeah, I think that when a woman asks the right question, because what, what's the greatest gift you can give a man? Respect. I'd Absolutely. rather have my wife's respect than her love, to be honest with you. I want her to respect me. And when she tells Absolutely. me what to do, that's disrespect. I mean, I want you know, I want to partner with her. I think a real man, a man who builds walls, a man who builds walls around his wife's heart, who defends her heart. He wants to please her. He wants to serve her. He wants to be. Uh, he wants to be his best version for her. But she has to be careful to honor and respect him in that process. And so that's really good, man. Amen. Hey, so I want to go back to Hannah, and I want to. I, I haven't seen any pictures of her. I don't know what she looks like. But you talked about these guys all of a sudden are looking at your daughter, and so yeah. we we know that as guys we 
we have a we have issues and struggles because we are visual because we are uh, we live in a fallen creation that we have struggles with objectification of women. How yeah. can a woman? How can a woman or how can a father teach his young women as he's building a wall walls around them? How can he help them to protect themselves from men objectifying them? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Is there any culpability uh, yeah. with women here? Absolutely. Well, I had very, uh, very candid conversations with my daughter. For two things. You need to make your daughter uh, and your wife feel like she's the most beautiful, precious woman on the face of the planet ever on the face of the planet. My, my daughter wasn't out there looking for some knucklehead to affirm her. Uh, because I, you know, I had already told her she's the most beautiful thing on the planet. She didn't need that. And so that's imperative. And then in tactful fashion, we need to help them understand the unredeemed masculine heart and the unredeemed masculine psyche wants to objectify her. That is so Uh, good. I, I think that's important. She needs to know that my daughter was mortified when I first had to tell her that, but I, I, I needed to do that in the right context. Uh, and I, I know she appreciates me for that. And then she married, you know, wait till you meet my son-in-law. He's a stud. He's amazing. Uh, he's a man definitely better than me. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So that, that was a twofold thing to make her feel beautiful. And then at some point she needs to get an understanding into the masculine psyche. Well, and I, that is so good. I mean, this is so good. My my wife, her struggle has been not having affirmation. I would, well, I, I'm not I'm not gonna even go there. I'm just gonna say my wife has a T-shirt that says, "Tell me I'm pretty and feed me tacos." <laughs> and so and so, what I have to do, and John Eldridge talked about this on our podcast. I have to tell her, "You're beautiful. You're gorgeous." Oh, that five pounds you you're crying about looks better on you. Oh, that dress looks great. You know, I'm constantly affirming her because I want my wife to get her affirmation from me. So that one strange guy comes up to her and says, "Oh, this or that," or when somebody at work says this, that she realizes I am affirmed as a beautiful daughter of the King. And and here's Absolutely. another here's another thing, Jeff. You know, I saw your wife. Uh, we just watched a YouTube video with you and her at the at your Cave Time event. I think the first ever yeah. co-ed event. And yeah. uh, and she's a gorgeous woman. And, and my you. wife is a gorgeous woman, and my wife does not have to run around in yoga pants and a tube top, for, right? To look like a gorgeous woman. So, how, right. how, what, what would you, what do you, how did you address this dress issue with your daughter? How do you, how should a father address how their daughter puts herself out there to the world? Yeah, I got, a, I got involved in it, right? You don't abdicate <laughs> that to your wife. So when my daughter started, you know, had a figure that that was a figure, and she wasn't, we we, we call it. We look at family pictures, and she had her chubby stage. And we we <laughs> yeah. get a laugh, but she became she became a beautiful woman. Uh, they had they they went shopping for, you know, swimwear, and they brought it home to me. And you know, I learned I had I didn't know what a tankini was. I'm like, what the heck is that? And so they they brought these things home to me, and I'm like, thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. You know, no, no, sorry. And I and and then I explained why no. It's because you look way too good in that. Yeah. And, and honey, that's underwear. Yeah. That is underwear. We <laughs> yeah. wear underwear out like Thank that. you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> right? And, and, so, so, and she knew it wasn't because I was trying to be the, the unstylish, you know, old fogey dad. It's because I cared. And remember, we went back to I affirmed her. 
Uh, and then I, you know, I gave her some insight into the male psyche and, uh, it really, it really helped. And you got to realize I'm not on this planet to be her buddy. Yeah. I'm her dad. And when, when dad and buddy can, can, you know, be the same and you feel like you're her friend and stuff like that. Great. Not always do you feel like that because you know what? There's sometimes it's a little bit lonely fighting culture and you have to fight culture. But remember, always you default to, I've affirmed her. She knows I love her. I'm spending time with her right now. As we talk, I'm looking at a picture on my desk of my daughter and I at her purity ceremony that I went. We went on a date, and there I am in a suit, and she's in this beautiful gown. We went, and we committed to one another, you know, so she knew. I mean, it, I wasn't just that stupid dad who never had contact with her, and then the first time she brings a guy home, she's cleaning the gun, right? We all talk about that. I'm cleaning my gun. Well, you know what? She's going to think you're an idiot and she's going to hide from you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got to, we got to engage with them. So when you do have to do some of those tough things about maybe what they wear, how they're presenting themselves, they'll receive it uh, in the heart that you're wanting that it's really intended. Yeah. That's good, man. I, I want to clarify something for our listeners. So the purity ceremony is a ceremony where uh, a, a daughter or a son commits to sexual purity until marriage and usually there's a ring or some token of jewelry involved, and that yep. that is given to the spouse on the wedding night as a symbol of I've kept myself pure until you, and now I'm going to rock your world. So uh, I, I just love I love the purity ceremony. Now there's something here that you said that I want to draw attention to. You know, um, you you are affirming your daughter. Now I, I know for me I'm a father of three sons, and so I affirm my young men as saying this: You've got what it takes. I want to Absolutely. put you on my shoulders. You're better than me at this. You know, you're the man. You know, I mean, I want to really affirm their manhood. But with, with daughters, uh, the, the two guys sitting with me today, Dale and Pat, have uh, Dale has three daughters, Pat has two. Uh, and the, the affirmation of daughters is stuff like, you're beautiful. You're Absolutely. worthy to be pursued. You are good enough. You are you are precious. And, I, and, you know, I've seen godly men. I've seen guys who have great integrity, great guys who fail miserably in this area. And it's yeah. it's damaging for the, these young gals, don't you think? Yeah, because our culture objectifies, right? It it has defined, and if you if you want to see how culture has objectified women over the years, you look at different cultures and what they've said is beautiful, especially in Western culture. Right now, it's like this emaciated, you know, uh, you know, uh, girl that's you know d d just confused, and and then and we've really gotten that it's weird sexually it's androgynous it's all kinds of craziness yeah. how are these girls going to know and yeah. so we have to affirm them with baby you are gorgeous yeah and i gave this story in the book i used to have a little song that i sang to my daughter it was called hannah jean hannah jean prettiest thing i've ever seen nobody pretty as hannah jean my beauty queen and so <laughs> I, I would it. sing that to her i would sing that to her well she got in a little a little tussle with some of her friends telling them that her daddy told her that she was the most beautiful so what did they feel like being second and third <laughs> and, and 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 my my wife got a call from their mother and said what you know your daughter's really offended my my daughter's with you know you may need to talk to her and and <laughs> Lori came to me and said you know look look what you've done and I said I've done exactly what I wanted to do I don't want her to hurt other girls, but I want her to feel like she is absolutely beautiful so that when she does go through her 
uh, what I called her healthy stage. <laughs> she, was, she was just healthy. And she wasn't fat. She was healthy. And she was beautiful. Yeah. And I affirmed her so that when she did go through those doubts, did go through those doubts, she knew who she could come to. That is imperative. We can't let culture dictate what is beautiful for our girls. We need to have them receive that from their father, who oh, does that so on good. behalf of their heavenly father. That is so good, man. Well, I guess the other girls could always get a participation trophy. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. She, Hannah, Hannah was like, you mean your dads don't sing that song to you? And they're like, no. And she goes, well, see? And she just skipped off and flipped her at him. And, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> no, well, that, that's a tribute to you, man. That's good stuff. So I got to tell you, Jess, so of all the stuff I read in your book, well, I first of all, I really loved your actual illustration of how you actually built the wall behind your house. <laughs> I, I want. I put. I put. I wrote my book. I wish that was in the intro. That got me so engaged. I love that. But I'll tell you what also got me engaged was I just had to laugh because I've been saying this all my life. In chapter twelve, you talked about how you can tell how a man treats his woman by how the woman looks. Yeah, and I I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with that statement, but I want you to walk me through what you mean by that. Absolutely. The scripture tells us the glory of a man is his wife, which means, which means, and I break that down in the book for you, which means that really the context of that remark is worship. So the way that a man worships God is, uh, is magnified. You can see it in his woman. And so when I treat her well and she is glorious and worships God, she really radiates that through how she looks, how she carries herself. And uh, it is important. So if you look at a woman and she's beaten down and haggard and tired, man, I'm asking why? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Where is where's her man? You know, and where if she's a single mom? Why isn't the church taking care of her? And what can we do? And and uh, so yeah, so that's that's what I mean. If if your wife is maybe she's mad or maybe she's putting it out there and trolling, like I talk about in the book, there's yeah. a reason that women do that, you know. And so I uh, I didn't get to put this in the book, but my friend Catherine Lee from the Pure Hope Foundation said that as they have worked with women that get off of you know, get out of sex trafficking. These uh, these porn lords have a test. They'll go out to a shopping mall or they'll go out on the streets and they look for women that have daddy issues. Oh, they look for women that they could go to in a in a store and say, wow, you are beautiful. We want to do a photo shoot at this place. You've got modeling capability. You know, so there's some women would be like, oh, thanks, really? And you think I'm and then there are other women that would be like, you know what? If you don't get out of my face right now, I got a Glock 19 in my purse and I'm going to break you down. Okay. Right? <laughs> so so it, that happened to my daughter in a store here in town and somebody, you know, hey, I want to you know, I want to photograph her. I want to photograph you. And she she just let him know. She let him know, hey, you know what? I I, I am uncomfortable with this. Uh, this, you know, I don't even know who you are. And so she went to the manager and <laughs> one thing led to another. Why? Because she knows that's wrong. Yeah. I don't need that kind of affirmation. I'm married. And so, I've my dad's been singing the song all my life. And yep. I don't need another daddy to affirm. So, okay, so you said something. I am resonating with this. I don't have daughters, but I am resonating with this because I was a knucklehead in my 20s. 
and yeah. I, and there there were certain females that you could identify them as yeah. uh, women who had a higher percentage rate of saying yes than others. And yeah. uh, and I I don't even think about this anymore, but this really inspired something in me. So you said a woman they look for a woman who has daddy issues. Okay. Yeah. So what does that woman look like? What does that woman look like that she becomes targeted or of or, or objectified that way? Yeah. So it could be her dress. Uh, she may be trolling through her dress. It could be her spirit. Right. The enemy picks up on that spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be you know, several different aspects of that, but uh, the enemy, the enemy can pick up on that. So you can't always say it's one thing. Yeah. But if she is if she is needy and she needs to be affirmed that, you know, there's going to be that's going to be uh, that's going to be reflected in some form or fashion. Yeah. Well, right. In her yeah. Countenance in her verbiage, uh, in her body, it's it's going to be reflected. Well, you know, that's so good, Jeff, because, you know, women uh, come in all shapes and sizes. My wife is a five foot four, 130 pound. I don't know what she weighs, but curvy girl, curvy girl. You know, some women are athletic. You know, Pat's wife is an athletic runner. You know, Dale's yeah. wife is a curvy girl. You know, everybody, we all look, they all come in shapes and sizes. They have different hair color. They have different yeah. uh, pigment, you know, different skin color, you know, but you hit the nail on the head, man. Countenance. Yep. Countenance. So how how do we as men identify? I mean, it's easy to identify if our wife has a poor countenance because I can identify it. I mean, I yeah. can see your countenance on your wife on a video. Uh, yeah. I can see it. So a- as a husband, I have to do. A- I have to have a reality check, right? A gut check. Does my wife carry the countenance of a woman who has been affirmed and blessed and honored? And if I ha- answer the question. No, she has not, and she does not carry that countenance. So, what do I go to fix it, man? What do I do? Yeah, you hold her, <laughs> baby. <come laughs> here. Man, I, I'm not totally sure what's going on, but I, man, I love you, and you hold her not to try to get something more from her than just to affirm her, and then you look at her in her eyes and ask her, "What can I do? What, what, what can I do? Are you hurting now?" And I've had to learn that. You have to learn those questions. Turn off ESPN. Turn <laughs> off, you know, I'm serious, right? Yeah. And just make eye contact and initiate with her a conversation and ask her, what is happening in your heart? That Tell is... me. How can I, I, I want you, I sense that you are going through something and how can I help? You know, I, it took a long time for me to learn. I wish I would have learned that earlier. Yeah, that and then, yeah, that is true. And then just be ready and and listen, knuckleheads. Make a list, right? Make a list. Don't forget because you're like, oh, I got that. I got. No, you don't. Write it down. Uh, she'll be appreciative that you write it down, and then do everything you can to follow up, check back with her, uh, and take you know take take an interest in where she's at. Ask about her heart. You know what, bro? You, I'm just loving you right now. I mean, not in a weird way, but you know, I love what you're saying. You know, they, women. You know, people give men. They say, "Hey, men, they're just so simple." You know, and women are have a lot of complexity to them. The way they're wiring, the way they think, the way they multitask. Yeah. But to really love and affirm a woman, it really is simple. <laughs> give her yeah. time. Listen. Touch her. Listen to her. Yeah. Tell her she's beautiful. And listen, that day's over. The next day, repeat it. <laughs> you just over and over and over again. 
Hey, Jim, and you got to hear that too. Don't, don't say, Oh, baby, I got this. If you would just do one, two, three, four, five, you know what? You just, <laughs> you just don't do that bad. You yeah. know, all of that is just all of the red signals. That's the bad. That's the engine light. You are going <laughs> to lock up that engine. Uh, so listen to her and just care and then just, just let her know. Oh, wow. That must have hurt or huh? Baby, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Then can we, can we pray? May I pray for you? May I just pray for you and do that. Don't fix it. I've done that. That, that I'm just telling you, you're just, don't do that. (laughs) Man, that's so good. Hey, listen, there's a lot of young knuckleheads out there listening to this podcast. They're trying to overcome their knuckleheadism. Uh, Give give our young guys some advice out there. So you're in your fifties. We are an intergenerational uh, men's uh, ministry. So let's talk down to these guys that are in their twenties, early thirties, these guys that are the age of our sons. What what piece of advice would you give our sons in how to handle and how to love uh, their wife or, or their sister or their mother, right? Yeah. If you want to go to a deep place with Jesus, learn how to treat women correctly. I'm serious. The last thing he did on the cross was made sure his mom had a good home. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The last, I'm telling you, the last thing. And then watch what he did. Who was the first person he showed himself to when he resurrected? Come on, can't get no help in here today. Yeah. It's a a woman. woman. Yeah. Why? Because he. they are valuable. They are a gift. They need to be loved and adored. If you want to go deeper with the Lord, you must learn how to treat women. It's the first gift God gave Adam. The animals were to be tended. The animals were to be cared for. The garden was to be kept and watched, but the woman was the first gift and it needs to be tended for God, for God to go, uh, for, from Adam to go deep with God, he needed to pay attention to the gift. And that's the point that I make in the book. How did the enemy, how did he get at the breakfast table? What did he, Adam wasn't paying attention to the gift. Yeah, that is a true statement, man. He, well, you call, you said passivity and I, I do a message called PMS that PMS is the biggest destroyer of marriages today. And the women look at me and I say passive, <laughs> passive male syndrome. <laughs> That's great. We cannot, you can, you can use that, it, brother. You can use it. You can use it. You, Cause you know, I stole it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, we've got that passive male syndrome that shut us down. We went, we go flat. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Robert Lewis says Adam went flat. Yep. I would say he was imp- impotent. He lost his potency. He lost his power. He lost his authority. Uh, he surrendered yeah. it. And so, you know, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, man. And we got to head out of here real quick. But you said something that spurred it, something within me. And I think not only if as a young man should they learn to do exactly what you're saying. But when other young women, potential spouse, potential spouse is around that young man, she is watching his every move and how he loves his mother. Absolutely. And how you love your mother is the best way to train yourself to how to love your wife. Absolutely. So that's that's so a good, good word. Jeff, we are, we are out of time, bro. But hey, can I, can I get you on the show sometime here soon? Absolutely. I want to get you back when you write your next book, or maybe what I'll do is I'll read Cave Time and uh, bring you back on. But uh, how can these guys get a hold of uh, uh, your book, Defending the Feminine Heart? Man, go to cavetime.org. We have a res- we have a resources page. Uh, all of our stuff is there. I mean, of course, you can buy it at Amazon, and it's at bookstores all over the country. But if they want the money, that which I consider ammunition, if they want the bullets to go, 
directly like into the ministry and into the field, go to our website. Hey, and congratulations. Uh, your book was a number one bestseller on Amazon. So congratulations on that. that. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, hey, I'm it's excited to ally with you and other guys, man. We're all out there getting it done. So, Jeff, thanks so much for your wisdom, your experience, and your boldness. And uh, thank you for being one of the men in the arena, man. Bless you, Jim. Thanks. Hey, thank you. Hey, men, get that book. Read it. You're going to love it. If you've got daughters, you need to read that book. If you've got moms, you've got to read that book. If you have a penis, you need to read that book. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it's going to stay that <laughs> That's good. If you can breathe, man, if you looked at, if you can pee standing up, buy that book. So, hey, you guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast, helping us change the world one man at a time. It's as easy as one, two, three. Listen to this podcast. Share it with your friends. Write a re- positive rebu- review. Give us your input if there are any topics or guys you want to hear from, topics you want to hear about. We want you to become the best version of you. If you have any questions or comments, download the Great Hunt for God app and go to the Contact Us icon. You can send us a message. We, along with our allies like Jeff and Cave Time, are changing America one man at a time. Guys, join the men in the arena. Feel the dirt of the arena floor. Listen to the roar of the crowd. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, A Bathroom Book for Men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.